Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. It's in our nature to desire good things. And we want to be blessed. And although we have a good God that desires to bless us, those blessings will only come through God's ways and God's methods. Here is part one of Cheryl's message titled, The Blessing. I think all of us in our deepest desires all long for a blessing. We all want someone, especially in authority, to speak good things over our lives, don't we? I remember my dad telling the story. He had gone, he and my mom had gone to a dinner that was being held in Orange County that Billy Graham and Ruth were going to be at. And my mom and dad were all a Twitter. I mean, they were just so excited. That was before it meant something on the internet. But they were all so excited. They were both so excited to you know, maybe get a glimpse of Billy Graham. They just, oh, this is gonna be so exciting. My mom wore her best dress. My dad wore the suits without spots. And they were in line and uh, walking in, ready to give their invitation, their official invitation. And my dad heard a voice behind him saying, well, is that Chuck Smith in front of me? And he turned because the voice sounded familiar and there was Billy Graham and there was Ruth. And he said, I have wanted to meet you. And my dad said, you know, I'm a strong man, but I almost fainted on the spot. (laughs) And you must be Kay. He even knew my mom's name. I mean, it was one of the greatest honors. And then he said, I have prayed for you. And he began to bless my dad. You know, my dad had gone there just to glimpse, just to see at a distance, just to be in the same room. And yet here it turned to a blessing. Don't we want someone to speak good things over our lives? Don't we want someone to promise us, especially from the scriptures, good things for our future? Don't you love it when someone comes up and says, oh, I, this verse has been burning in my heart and I felt like the Lord told me I'm supposed to give it to you. You're like, yes, yes, make it a good one or to tell us that our lives count, that they matter, and that God will use them for good? Don't we want someone to tell us that God has purposes for us, good purposes? A blessing speaks God's favor and God's prosperity, or God will make it happen in our lives. Does anyone really want a word of rejection and failure spoken over them? Do you really want that? Like, you know what? Nobody likes you. (laughs) Nobody wants you here. Nobody even wants you on the earth. Okay? 
you know, your life's never gonna go any place. Your husband's a loser. You just might as well give up. Nobody wants a word like that. Nobody in their right mind wants a word like that. I don't know anyone who goes around going, could you just give me a really bad word for my life today? I really need it. I'm just desperate for something mean to be said to me. It just doesn't happen. We want blessing. We want a blessing. I think it's our daily craving. I want a blessing. Do you ever just like, oh God, please, just something good today? Just, just give me a blessing today. Just let me know that you are with me. Even if it's just like the dog gets excited that I'm home, just something of a blessing. You know, I have to say this. Barnabas is just the most amazing dog. Barnabas is my golden doodle. And he's, you know, you can fight with me all that you want. He's the best. But we come home from church and he's just like, you're back. You came home. Oh wait, I got to find a toy. Let me find just the right toy. And he goes around, and he picks up a toy. And he's like, no, that's not right. And he has to find just the right toy. And then it's in his mouth, like, and he's outside, you know, and he's like, let me in, and this can be yours. We'll share. And, you know, and then he puts his big old paws, like, let me in on the door, please, let me in. I love you so much. I've been waiting for you. And now you're here and I'm outside, let me in. And you, you let him in and then he's just like, it's you. And he keeps body slamming you. And, you know, Ivy Brian says, nobody makes me feel as loved as Barnabas. So obviously I haven't body slammed him lately, but there is just something to having that kind of a blessing. Somebody who really wants you, loves you, and is just so excited and has got one of those most special squeaker toys for you. It just makes all the difference. In blessing, we often want specifics. We want to know, wait, how will I be blessed? You know, in what way or what direction is my life going to take? Or what can I expect or should I expect? But a spiritual blessing is even better because it includes the favor. God is with you. God is for you. And here are some of the promises that God has for you. It brings the divine power of God to make it happen. And it brings the assurance. It ratifies the word of God and the promises of God to us. Spiritual blessings from others are often given to us by a gift. Someone says, you know what? I was thinking about you. I want you to have this because I want you to know that God loves you. When I was a little girl, I've told you this story before, but it means so much to me. It was my birthday and my parents had no money, no money at all. And there was this expensive toy store, which is now a massage place on 17th Street in Costa Mesa. And I would walk past that toy store and it was just, I don't think my parents ever purchased anything from that toy store. It was just so expensive. But it was, you know, kind of the lust factory for me, the covet factory. I would just go through it and then anything you bought, they would wrap. It was, it was magical. And I loved that toy store. And I saw this doll that was probably three feet high and I wanted it so badly for my birthday. I wanted that doll. And this toy store was between Safeway and Alpha Beta. So we had to travel by it. And I would see that doll and I'd say, that's what I want for my birthday. And my mom didn't want to say, honey, it's just not going to happen. We've got like three pennies that we're going to buy you, you know, three bubblegum balls for your birthday. You know, that's it. This is like a pastor's daughter's life. 
And they didn't tell me. But on my birthday, my parents don't have any money. They don't have any presents for me. My mom did make a cake. This older woman in our church named Ruth Smith, no relation, she comes by the house and she's got this package. She doesn't know it's my birthday. And she says, Kay, you're going to think I'm a silly old lady. And I am. But I was walking by that toy store and I saw that three foot doll in the window and I thought, I'm buying that for myself. And I don't know what came over me, but I went in and I bought that doll for myself and I had them wrap it. And when I came out of the store, I thought, oh, Ruth, you're a silly old lady. Who can you give this doll to? And then I thought of Sherry and I just brought it over. Could you give this doll to Sherry? My mom started crying, said, Ruth, you're not going to believe this. This is Sherry, because that's what they used to call me, Sherry's birthday, and we don't have anything for her. And she had asked for that very doll in the window. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? I know. I have no idea what happened to that doll either. I was such a consumer child. Here today, haircut tomorrow. I I used to make all my dolls have my dad's hairstyle. But I just, when someone gives you something that says, the Lord put this on my heart, and you just know that the Lord is mindful of you. Or those times when someone says, you know what? You were just on my heart. I was praying for you so much yesterday. Or someone gives you a promise from God, as we said before. Or someone says, you know, I, I just want this and this and this to happen for you when they want good for our lives. I think Enneagram tests only prove our desire for a blessing. If our father, our mother, our friends, our peers, our boss, our employees won't tell us that we are doing good or headed for good, perhaps the Enneagram test will. When I find out that I really deserve a blessing, because I'm actually a really nice person. One of the draws for taking these tests is to find something positive about ourselves, something that deserves blessing. It's not wrong to desire a blessing. I think it's in our very nature, in the way God created us. The problem is that we are often seeking blessings from the wrong people, from the wrong things, in the wrong ways. Often the desire for a blessing turns into this great need for approval. It just changes. And so what we do is we pretend to be someone else or something else than what we really are in order to get the blessing. Oh yeah, I'm for that too. So now maybe you'll bless me. Or we deceive, we practice deception, or we betray others. Anything to get a blessing. When God wants to bless our lives. From the beginning, God sought to bless his creation. In Genesis 1, 22 and 28, we read, then God blessed them. In Genesis 2, 3, we read that God blessed the day. In Genesis 5, 2, he pours out a, a blessing on Noah. Because our God is a blessing God in Numbers chapter 6, he told the priest, I want you to put my name on the people and I want you to bless them. I want them to know you're my representative, that I am a blessing God. In Genesis 27 and 28, we note certain things about divine blessing. One, the contents 
of divine blessing. Two, the criteria for blessing or those whom, who will receive the blessing of God. We learn about the craving for blessing, the crisis of blessing, and finally, the certainty of God's blessing. So what is the content of God's blessing? What exactly was the blessing that Isaac was to pass down to one of his sons? What was this birthright that Jacob bartered for with Esau? It was nothing less than the promises of God to Abraham and Abraham's descendants. It was a covenant of faith with God, the lineage of the Messiah and the sacred word of God. Contained in this blessing was the safeguarding of the history of God from creation to that present time. It contained a record of all God had done and said. It was what we know as Genesis 1 through 28, through this very time. It was the covenant of faith or the exclusivity of worship to God alone, obedience to God's word and God's directives, how God wanted mankind to live. It was also the seed that would bring the blessing, the Messiah to the whole world. And it was the promises of blessing that would come by God's favor. This blessing was given to Abraham. We read about it in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. But it became even more defined as Abraham walked with God. It was the blessing that was passed down exclusively to Isaac in Genesis 17, 19, Genesis 26, 2 through 5. This is the sacred trust that Isaac held. And he was to pass down to one of his sons. Now we next learn about the criteria for blessing in Genesis 27, one through four. Now Isaac has a criteria by which he is going to bless one of his sons. It's not God's criteria. It's Isaac's criteria. Isaac is old and his time on the earth as he feels is not long. So he has a criteria of time when this blessing is to be given. His sons are already in their 40s, and one of his sons is already married to two wives. So there's a time, a criteria of time. Secondly, there's a criteria of convention. It's a blessing according to tradition, a blessing according to culture, rather than a blessing according to the choice of God. This is not God's mandate, but a cultural mandate that the oldest should be the blessed. In ancient civilizations, as in monarchies still today, the blessing or the greater inheritance goes to the oldest child or firstborn. It is Charles who will receive the monarchy, not Anne, Philip, or Andrew. William, not Harry, especially not Harry now. (laughs) George, not Louis, who will receive the blessing. That's the cultural way to do it. We see with Adam that this is not a criteria that God followed. God honored Abel, not Cain, the firstborn. God blessed Seth. God chose Abraham, not Nahor 
or Haran. God chose Isaac, not Ishmael. God had specified a word to Rebekah that the elder would serve the younger, Genesis 25, 23. And it's this birthright that Esau sold for a pot of stew, Genesis 25, 33. But the third criteria of Isaac, we've got time, we've got convention, is self-gratification. Isaac preferred his eldest son, the hunter, Genesis 25, 28. Isaac loved the stew that Esau made. And by blessing Esau, he was ensuring for himself many pots of stew. It indulged his palate. But God's criteria is totally different than man's criteria. God blesses those who want and pursue his blessing. Those who are indifferent or hostile to God's blessing will never, ever know it. Genesis 26, 5, God said that this blessing was on Abraham because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God blesses his creation. In other words, God blesses what he is allowed to lead, guide, build, and create. God blesses those who seek his criteria for blessing or seek his ways, seek to meet his requirements for blessing. Esau did not meet the criteria for God's blessing. One, he'd sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. The blessing was due to the one who had the birthright. The blessing was the ratification of the birthright. In most cultures, it was the estate, the material estate of the father, his goods, what he had acquired. However, for Abraham and Isaac, the greater blessing was the covenant and promises of God. We see that Esau despised or did not place value on his birthright. His appetite was more important to him than the promises of God. He was a hunter. He wanted what he could acquire for himself. According to Hebrews 12, 16, he did not obey the voice of God. He was a fornicator or an idolater or one who put his own self-indulgence or pleasure above obedience to God. He married Canaanite women, not one, but two. And these Canaanite women were a grief to Rebecca and Isaac. They were idolatrous. They were of the practices and had the priorities of the Canaanites, those without God, those who served other gods. He didn't think of what he was bringing into the covenant family, and he didn't care how it would affect his parents. He was self-centered. He did not keep the commandments, the statutes, or laws, according to Hebrews 12, 16. He was a profane person or one without any appreciation or regard for spiritual principles or promises. Matthew 7, 6, Jesus talks about this attitude when he tells us as Christians, do not give what is holy to the dogs nor cast pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. You cannot bless a pig. (laughs) 
You know, if you, if you give a pig something expensive, like a string of pearls, they don't care. It's like Brian says, Barnabas cannot tell the difference between a dog bone, like a milk bone, dog biscuit, and filet mignon. As wonderful as he is, he just swallows the filet mignon whole. We know, we've given him pieces of it, and he's just like, how is God got any more of anything? Any roadkill? Anything? You know, you just, there's no appreciation for these types of, of treasures. Years ago, when I was 13 years old, I had this Bible that I absolutely loved. They don't make them anymore. It was a suede cover. And it was just the perfect size and had a snap and just the right weight. And I just loved this Bible. One of my favorite things to do as a young woman was to go to the chapel store and buy a Bible. I mean, it was so fun. And I remember buying this suede Bible. It was just the right size. And we had gone out. We were um, on one of my dad's trips to Hawaii. I was with a group of people. And there was a woman um, that we were just kind of all hanging out with. She had lived in Hawaii. So she was kind of giving us a tour. We were in, um, on the island of Maui. And we were on the main street. And there was this kind of demon-possessed guy, kind of, <laughs> kind of weird, blasphemous guy, that she was trying to share the Lord with. And he just kept cursing and he kept you know, just doing all these um, terrible things while she was sharing the Lord with him. And I remember she says, I'm going to give you a Bible. He's like, I don't want a Bible. I'm going to give you a Bible anyway. And she turns around, she goes, who's got a Bible? <laughs> and she grabbed it out of my, my hands, my, my perfectly beautiful beige suede Bible. And she handed it to him and says, I'm giving you this. And he took the Bible and in our sight, he began to just rip it up just rip it apart. And I remember she said, I'll buy you another one. And she never did. I'm just saying, just saying. That woman, if I ever see her, she still owes me a Bible. I think she's in her 90s, but she still owes me a Bible. But I just remembered how he had no regard for something that was so precious to me. You know, my notes were in there. You know, it was just precious to me. I just no regard at all. That's how the profane person is. They have no regard for, for spiritual things. You know, at Calvary, we would give brotherly hugs to one another. We still do sometimes. We just hug. And it's so pure, such a healthy touch. And I remember at graduation at my public high school, this guy came up to me and I said, can you believe we graduated? And I went to hug him and he just was like, Whoa. it was just sick. It was like, get thee behind me, Satan. And it was just, it was like, wow, I have been in the company of those that things are healthy. And I realized he doesn't have regard for purity and for innocence and for the beauty of holiness. He, there was no value to it. So Esau had no practical use for the birthright or the promises of God. They were no value to him which meant that if they were given to him, he would not safeguard them. He would not pass them down. He would not walk in them because already his lifestyle and his choices showed that he would neglect, he could care less about them, and he had no regard for God's word, promises, and way. They would not be esteemed. They would be thrown away. 
But Jacob had a craving for blessing, which brings us to our third point. Craving for blessing, Genesis 27, 5 through 29. What lengths would you be willing to go to to receive God's blessing? God blesses those who want and pursue His blessing. Those who are indifferent or hostile to God's blessing will never know it. God said that His blessing was on Abraham because Abraham obeyed His voice, kept His commandments, His statutes, and His laws. God desires to bless His creation, but He can only bless what He is allowed to lead, guide, build, and create. Esau didn't meet the criteria for God's blessing. He despised his birthright and sold it for a bowl of stew. His appetite was more important to him than the promises of God. May we learn a lesson from the life of Esau so we can receive the promises and blessings of God. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look further at Isaac's blessing as we continue our series, Our Great Creator, in the book of Genesis with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.